0: Hey
1: guys, this is Erica Ramirez, Senior Editor at Billboard, and with me today I have my coworker Stephen Steven Horowitz. Um, Hello. You've been here, you've been on the podcast a few times. I have. I Always. Love, I love talking. <laughs> <laughs> you love talking. Well, I've been meaning to have you on the podcast to talk about some R&B, so this is like a perfect time seeing with what's going on and what's coming out. But first and foremost, uh, we did an episode of the podcast where... Listeners asked some questions and there was a question that they asked on what I thought about the difference between UK R&B artists and US R&B artists. And to sum up what I said, I pretty much said that I feel like UK artists have a little bit of more of a soulful kind of feel to them, at least the recent, most recent R&B artists and the US artists, US R&B artists are a little bit more experimental with their music with their R&B music. But the U.S. You, ones? Yes. Oh, I mean, wow.
0: I have a, I have the opposite opinion. Do you? I do. Well,
1: this is why I have <laughs> you here. <laughs> so what do you think as far as the difference between both?
0: Well, I think the U.K. has pretty much been progressive in uh, most aspects of music um, over the past few years at least because I feel like a lot of the exports that come from England's Um, to the U.S., they kind of take over radio, and we always say, nothing ever sounded like this before. You know, it Mm -hmm. offers a different sound or perspective, even like Adele or Sam Smith. Like, there were not U.S. artists who were achieving that kind of fame with that kind of music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're doing different things, like Disclosure and Sam Smith were on the charts, as well as Sam Smith and Naughty Boy with um, Latch and then La La La. And, uh, you know, we don't have that kind of music coming out of the U.S. that's doing as well. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably an exoticism to it. Um, I think it's also something to do with the cyclical nature of music. Like a lot of the R&B music coming out of the U.K. is very house-influenced and 90s-influenced. and right. um, I guess you can call that taking chances because uh, not a lot of music here is succeeding with that. But there it is.
1: <laughs> right. I was going to bring up, like, the new, at least U.S., R&B artists. Like, you know, I just put up the EP of Daniel Caesar, and I had you, like, take a listen, and Nick Hakeem, and they're shy girls. So it's more, that's when I think of, like, the experimental type of R&B, where, like, even Miguel, where they do use, like, references, past references of other R&B or soulful, like, soul music. But it's still a little bit more, like, stripped down and lo-fi kind of um from that group? Cause I know we share like the like of shy girls and Nick Hakeem. So what, what's kind of your take on those new crop of R&B artists?
0: Oh, uh, I think I definitely agree. And I probably am about to contradict myself, but I do think <laughs> that those people are taking chances in, in right. music. They're just not finding a mainstream success with it. Yeah. Um, yes, I like Shy Girls, yes, I like Nick Hakeem, right. uh, yes, I like, well, Banks is actually from the UK, but, you know, that just backs my <laughs> point. Um, so you're right on your <laughs> sides. I'm basically, both right. basically, R&B is, is very experimental <laughs> right now. No, um, I mean, I, th- I do think that there's a sect of musicians in the U.S. that are taking chances with R&B, and, you know, they're getting a little bit more soulful, um, Uh, You know, trying different instruments, you know, using a lot more synths, making electronic R&B. And I think there's a huge movement for that. Um, I mean, Cyril Hahn's another example of that, even though Cyril is from Canada. Yeah. Um, Well, he actually used Shy Girls on his song, so technically he's a producer. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are operating in that, like Rochelle Jordan as well, someone Mm -hmm. who I talk about a lot. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's... It, it's definitely pushing the envelope when it comes to R&B music and what we think of it. Um, has anyone succeeded here on that kind of wavelength? I don't really think so. Um, I mean, maybe The Weeknd, but technically, you know, he's Canadian, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> even though that wasn't a shot, that somehow sounded like a shot.
0: <laughs> no, no, even <laughs> no. I, I, I no, mean, I that know. wasn't a shot, even though I don't like The Weeknd. <laughs> <Aww.
1: laughs> <laughs> so it was, it did end up being a shot, but, I think it's weird that the kind of big voices of the UK as far as R&B goes find or are finding more success than the big voices of R&B in the U.S. Like, I am a huge fan of Jasmine Sullivan and um, Elle Varner, but then it's like Sam Smith is your your guy right now. So I don't know. Maybe we'll, you know, switch up once those two girls um, release their album, but then that might be around the same time that Adele puts out her album. I don't so know. I mean,
0: like, I found that the artists who are operating on a higher stratosphere, so to speak, like people like your Jasmine Sullivan's or your Chris Brown's or Trey Song's or August Alsina, wh- mm-hmm. whoever it may be, I don't find them to be necessarily innovative. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're challenging the norms of the genre. I think they're operating with within whatever is popular, mm-hmm. like that August Alsina sound, that Ty sign sound, that Trey right. Song set. Like, it's all very similar Um, And I think that's boring.
1: But a lot of that sound is also the DJ Mustard sound.
0: Well, we can't fault DJ Mustard.
1: (laughs) 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 No, I mean, you know what's funny is I thought of that when you said Ty Dolla Sign, and then I thought of Jeremiah, and then...
0: Exactly. I mean, he's kind of doing that whole sound too. There is a... It's like a bedroom feel. Yeah. That like very like deep, bassy, light synth, finger snapping kind of music. Yeah. Yeah. and, I mean, some of it's good. I find a lot of it to be repetitive and not necessarily innovative. Yeah. But, I well, mean, there's a place do for it. Who you
1: think is innovative? Who are you listening to? Who am I listening to <laughs> right
0: now? Well, again, I'm, I'm really into the UK scene. I'm really into Moko. Uh, right. She's this R&B singer who does tracks with Jason Status, and she's kind of like this house singer. Um, yeah. But she, she comes from the R&B world, so it has that kind of R&B feel to it. And also um M-neck, who is mm-hmm. this guy who has actually found a lot of success in the UK as a songwriter and a performer. Um, he has a few singles that are doing really well over there. And I can imagine him having the same kind of Sam Smith success maybe a year from now, just based on what I've seen happening over there.
1: I think it's weird that the, the whole, because speaking of him, of like the dance type of R&B infused music does so good in the UK. And then I feel like we have a lot of people that are hard on that type of music when it when it's over here. But it's also because it's, I assume, it's because of artists that we've heard every, everything but that, and it was also amazing, like Usher and Chris Brown. Where like I think Chris Brown actually shines on when it comes to like dance R and B music.
0: I will say that he is one of the few artists that does that very well. Yeah, um, but I, you know, having listened to his new album X. I, I feel like he does do a lot of that Trey songs kind of stuff. Trey songs is even on the album, yes. <laughs> like um, the song he has with R. Kelly. I find that mm-hmm. to be a little rote. Um
1: Yeah, you know, there wasn't a lot of that like signature R&B dance type of songs that Chris Brown usually does. Um I mean, right. like, well, Fine China has the whole MJ feel and that's a a song on the deluxe version.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I haven't really inspected the liner notes, but someone that he's collaborated with has been um benny Benassi, mm-hmm. um who i think worked on the fame album or mm-hmm. graffiti um, i feel like he it was fame. fame and
1: fortune yeah, I feel like yeah there's some tracks on fortune also right
0: so he was working with those kind of guys and from what i understand i know that diplo worked on this album but mm-hmm. he doesn't really operate in that kind of very heavy edm world right. in the same way that benny Benassi does so i think maybe he consciously tried to shy away from that yeah um but yeah there's very few traces of that on x
1: yeah Well, I did want to bring up Nick Hakeem again because he came through the the billboard office and played us two of his songs. One whose title is Cold and then another one called The Want, which actually is a new song. And I am a huge fan of Nick Hakeem, but I just was introduced to Nick Hakeem like two, three weeks ago. And I like shared his music um, to the staff, including you. And like his new EP is out, which I'm a huge fan of. But what did you think of Nick Hakeem when he came came through the office
0: well he was here um that <laughs> <laughs> he was he's uh he's not really the kind of he doesn't have the same look that you'd anticipate him having based on his music you know he's uh heavily bearded um he just looks like a normal guy and right. he is a normal guy <laughs> yeah. and, uh, who just happens to make great music yeah. But you know he is operating in this kind of alt r&b world where you can call it an r&b but you know there are a lot of elements of other things it's there's, there are hints of electronic music, right. there are hints of folk music, there are hints of, you know, alternative. Everything kind of folds into it, and I think he has a really good sound because of that. He somehow managed to tie that all together while making it sound really casual.
1: Yeah. Here's a snippet of one of the songs that he performed called The Want. It's all I need. At least I
0: want it to be.
1: You describe Nick Hawkins' music. I kind of thought of something. Do you think that would work for Usher? That sound?
0: I uh, I don't know. I think Usher is such a bold voice. Yeah. And Nick has a very uh, it's rasped and very quiet. Even when he talked, it was very he was very quiet. Yeah. Um, I think if Usher knew how to do kind of had a keep the lower end of his voice under control and do what, yeah. what Nick t- uh, what Nick basically does, maybe he could. Yeah. Um, and that might be a really good sound for him.
1: Yeah, I just feel like he's still, and I've said this like millions of times, so people might be tired of me saying that. I just feel like he has to, he's trying to find a balance between what he has made in the past, which has been the whole R&B hip-hop feel and then also the dance R&B feel. Right. So I just thought of that when you mentioned how... You know, like Nick Hakim and all these other people like Shy Girls and other artists have that like <sighs> electro feel, but it's not as like heavy as like, you know, dance and all that. Yeah. Um. So speaking of new music from not so new artists, so Jennifer Hudson released her third studio album, which I can't believe it's her third album. I feel like she would have so many more.
0: Albums by yes! now? Yes. Yeah.
1: I don't know why I was surprised to realize that J-Hud was her third album.
0: I mean, that's what happens when you're... A double threat, <laughs> and actually a triple threat if you count her being a spokeswoman for Weight Watchers. No, actually, I
1: She no, but she's good at that.
0: She is really good at it. I don't know if she's doing any more. From my understanding, she isn't. But I mean,
1: her album is has that kind of feel also, and it was surprising for me to know that there was only like two ballads on the album, and it was closer to the latter end of the album because with such a big voice, you would think that you would get more ballads, and also just going off of how what she used to do which is more of an R&B feel. But then, like, I'm also not surprised that it can be a little bit dance with, like, Spotlight wasn't just, like, a straight R&B record. Like, it had a little bit of, like, a dance feel to it as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could definitely dance to that record. Yeah. Uh, I think she was trying to do that with this album, too. I mean, she she called this album her most, or, like, I guess her personal album. Mm Mm-hmm. I would call foul on that. I don't really think it's that personal. I, w- I really wish she would make an album that felt more like we were getting to know Jennifer Hudson. Right. But I think Jennifer Hudson wants to have a good time, and her records really reflect that. That's why we get two ballads on, well, like, a, I guess, a 12-, 13-track album. Right. Um, and the songs are, uh, you know, they're fine. They're very Jennifer Hudson-y. Like, I found that all of her albums kind of sound very similar. Yeah. She has a retro feel, a good vibe. Yeah, Uh, but I do agree. Normal song structures. I
1: do agree with wanting to know more of Jennifer Hudson from Jennifer Hudson. I feel like all the personal stuff that we know about her is like through news stories and all that, which you know is a whole different story than her story. So I completely agree that, um, like, she could take that opportunity to actually like talk about that in her music. I mean, if she's ready, is one thing. I guess that's the, the thing.
0: Right. I mean, that's you know the the old age problem of being a musician, how do you separate your personal life from your public life? Right. And you know it doesn't really hit us hard when you have such a fine definition right. from where it begins and ends.
1: Well, Jennifer Hudson told us a little bit about like the making of the album and the, the dance R&B type of feel, and this is what she had to say. <clears throat> It's definitely a dancier sound it's, it's the upside the upbeat side of me so it, it you know it has really good energy on it and it's a lot of like good dance music um I just wanted something to represent the girl the person you know and I also wanted to bridge like old school with the new school and it just ended up being that way it was never anything like that was planned but that just turned out to be the makeup of the j HUDness and all the, the good energy and the old school feel. And, you know, it's like an album full of colors. So you wanted to talk a little bit about the Keisha Cole album. Yes. Because you were one of the lucky ones that got a little bit of a sneak peek before the release. I
0: did. I've heard some of the tracks.
1: So how do you feel as far as just the tracks that you've
0: Um. Well, I mean, Keisha Cole's a complicated artist because I feel like her first album was so incredibly strong and personal. Right. And it's very hard to follow that up. And I think she's come close. She's had some records that I think are really, um, really. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. personal and effective and um like one that comes to mind is long way down that was on uh her fans are gonna kill me i think it was calling calling or, all hearts calling all hearts yeah yeah i think it was on that record but that felt like one of the best keisha cole songs to come out since her first album i think it's called point of no return yeah and it comes out i want to say october 14th right. um I, you know i feel like she there is a lot of personal touch to this album. Uh, the songs sound fine. Uh, the one thing that really bothered me about it, and, you know, this is maybe a personal opinion, but I thought her voice isn't as strong anymore.
1: So when you say that you just, it's, what do you mean?
0: I mean, you heard how she, like, wails on love on the first album. Oh, my gosh, I love that song, yes. Yeah, and, like, basically all those songs, she is pushing those notes yeah. out, and you can feel it. And this album just feels like, there, there are often times where I thought she was missing notes. Yeah. And it just sounded like she wasn't trying hard enough, which I'm yeah. sure she would disagree with. And, you know, I think any artist would probably disagree with that statement. But that's how it kind of came across.
1: I just remember seeing her in Oakland when she, when Kanye West brought her out and he was opening for Usher. Right. Which even saying that right now is crazy. A lot
0: of people don't remember that Keisha Cole was really tight with Kanye. Yes. Like she sang on... Um, uh, the second track on College Dropout. Oh, I have not seen the
1: name. But yeah, he was Try also dealing.
0: on... She's the one who's doing the ad-libs at the end.
1: Wasn't he on one of the songs on the first album? Like he had ad- ad-libs on, I don't know if it was I Changed My Mind.
0: Well, there was a version of I Changed My Minds. Well, so he produced I Changed My Minds. Um, he does have ad libs on the version without shine, but there's a version with shine on it.
1: Look at you. Yeah, I
0: was so into that first album.
1: <laughs> but I was, the reason I bring that up is because when she even performed, she was just so raw. And it was just, you could tell it's just, she was so hungry and so passionate. And I asked you this before, you know, we started recording offline if if she's sad, angry Keisha Cole or if she's happy Keisha
0: Cole. Yeah, no, I think she's angry. And, you know, maybe I need to hear the all of the record at once, right. but. Um, from what I heard, she does sound, she sounded angry on the tracks I listened to. How was the and songwriting? I thought, I thought they were okay. Yeah. I thought it was, again, like I'd take uh, one Nick Hakim over like 10 Keisha Coles at this point. Just because I.
1: Shots fire. No, not even fire. shots. It's
0: just, I really like when artists take. Risk. Take, they take risks. Yeah.
1: I don't know. It's it's funny because you want, we push or are very adamant of having R&B artists Sound like those classic albums of theirs that we love, like *Wish* right. and *Confessions*, or Keisha Cole and her first album. Like, and then they and I feel like sometimes they hear us and they take that a little too far. And maybe this is what's going on. Where it's just like a little, a little too. Maybe she took it too seriously.
0: Yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, I don't know what to. I don't really know where she's at in her career. I mean, basically her life is so public now that it's kind of – it's the opposite of the Jennifer Hudson problem if you think about it. Like Mm -hmm. she had the the reality shows, She's kind of lived this public breakup. She goes on Twitter and like gets in beefs with people.
1: (laughs) I guess. I remember.
0: So she lives her life very publicly and I admire that a lot because, you know, that's what fans want to see. They feel like they know Keisha Cole. Right. But, I mean, when it comes to getting people to listen to your record and really – identifying with with it, how many how many times can you have your fans identify with what you're going through when they already know what you've gone through.
1: Right. That is kind of the opposite of J HUD. Yeah. Well, um this, I believe it's the 27th. So it's Saturday is the twenty year anniversary of Brandy's first album. <laughs> Their self titled debut album, which I'm super excited about. Cause that was probably that was the first well, I bought Brandy and I bought Crazy Sexy Cool around the same time. So I can't really remember which one was my first. I believe it was Brandy. It's probably Brandy. Brandy. came out yeah. like a couple months before. Um, I think Crazy Sexy Cool came out in like November of 94. Um, so that and Moesha pretty much changed my life. But <laughs> listening back to it, because I kind of, um, it does feel like it's perfect then like you could tell it was 1994 when you hear brandy's album
0: definitely what did you identify with about it because i re-listened to it today um just because you know i haven't listened to it in a minute and i found that there are a lot of teenage themes like a la jojo's first album or like uh, Ariana Grande's first album where it's kind of like this very innocent type right. of love so yeah. I mean is that what no, made you No like that's absolutely the album?
1: there was like Best Friend yeah. which like I think if you make a song like that right now it would have come off a little cheesy and back then it was like perfect and like you said it's there, there's this innocence to it which I could definitely identify too it's like a first love type of feel your first time getting heartbroken where now it's like not that deep but back then it was like the end of the world right. so it's definitely I related to it because we were what around the same age group and I also wore overalls and probably wore ridiculous hats that I don't want to admit to. And <laughs> but I've like, seen your throwback Thursday. Oh my pictures. god! <laughs> I put too much of myself out there. Um, but that and then also even like the show Moesha, where just you could relate to kind of what was going on at that moment or what she was singing about, as, like as far as Brandy goes. And it was you know the lyrics you could tell were very serious to her. And at that age, you they were also very serious to you. That's why it's very much a, like a trip down memory lane type of feel when I listen to it now.
0: Yeah, I think it's a classic album. It's a classic R&B album. Right. I mean, a lot of a lot of things about um, or a lot of classic R&B albums kind of feel dated. Yeah, I kind of did get that vibe when I was listening today. But I think it captured a moment in time so well. That, I mean, it's timeless in that yeah. way. Like, I, that feels like 1994. It feels like, like someone that you're fami- you've been familiar with your entire life, essentially. I mean, for both of us, like, we've been listening to Brandy since the beginning. So. Right. Um, and we've, you know, grown up through the years listening to her and seeing how she's progressed. And it kind of makes that original debut a little bit more important.
1: Oh, it also makes me remember of the kobe bryant rumors and <laughs> the, voice, <laughs> the voice man rumors and like all that stuff i just think it's funny it's like brandy tells a little bit about herself little like she reveals it little by little like she's not just out here like it took her to like what human or this last I think album it was,
0: it was aphrodisiac that was her right divorce album yes
1: where she was actually like i'm just gonna say what i'm really going through right I grabbed those ergs and wrote them down in love letters. <laughs> so <laughs> I clearly knew what she was going through. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it
0: really served its purpose. I mean, looking back and looking at today, really, how many records do we have that feel like that? Right. I mean, I, I'd i have to Google for a little bit to <laughs> be like, <laughs> to personal albums are in game.
1: No, but it is hard to actually have an album that you can one even call a classic right and also just consider it like your album like it's it's hard enough to be like this is your song but to call something your album it's like harder I feel like every year that passes
0: right and also I mean there's there's kind of um this idea in the music business where if you name your album it's your eponymous album then it's like that's your your grand statement I feel like you know at that time it was her grand statement and it took her what another ten years to have another statement that was so grand? Or well, never seen eight, ever ten it was or eleven. Also amazing. That was a classic album. Let's not get it confused. <laughs> yeah, but but that's that's an, that, that felt amazing. that felt like a pop album. I didn't really identify with a lot of the things that were she was singing. Yeah, like and they weren't. No, no, not not a lot of them the were world, written by mace. her. You weren't feeling like <laughs> <laughs> Like, have you ever? <laughs> I was like I wasn't old enough for have you ever
1: the first unrequited love uh, listen I probably wasn't going through an unrequited love (laughs) situation but I felt like I was so yeah I could definitely see never say never was also that album
0: right but I mean just you know to to put a a cap on, on at least. Me talking about Brandy. <laughs> you, can, you can keep talking about Brandy Clearly as much as you want. Clearly it's so sad. Um, the reason I, I love Brandy, and I would actually consider her maybe in my top five favorite contemporary R&B artists, yeah. is that she has always been been true to herself. She's always made great music, and she's never really kept herself from her audience. Like She has the perfect balance between living her life— and bringing her life to her records, right?
1: Which is something that's funny that we talked about with Keisha. Yeah, and Jay putting Hutt. too much
0: out, not putting enough out. Brandy is just in the middle, and yeah. I think her musical ear is has really made her so good. Like she, I don't, I don't think Brenny's ever had a bad album. Is it
1: also her Coldplay covers?
0: Oh yeah. Well, the the stuff that she did on Aphrodisiac... Right. like. I remember during that interview cycle or that album cycle, whatever, she would talk about how she would literally just listen to Coldplay. Coldplay, yeah. She was obsessed with them. And then she sampled, I think, Clocks for one of the songs at the end of Aphrodisiac. And um, she's just always had a really good musical ear. And she knows how to make music her own. And I think, you know, albeit sampling – or be it through sampling, or be it through singing someone else's song and really owning it. Right. I think she has a really natural talent for that.
1: Yeah. Well, I, oh, I didn't even have planned to talk about this. Surprisingly enough, but we talked about this earlier. Non R and B Kendrick Lamar's I.
0: Oh. The eye record, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: I think you were so focused on R and B music. So I have lost count as to how many songs I played that album. I mean, I played that song. Um, I think me and you have a different. Type. I think we both like it. I really, like I it. like it a lot. Yeah, we both like it. What?
0: Well, I laid in bed this morning, like listening to it on repeat before I got ready to I come here. I just come really <laughs>
1: like. Look at you! I didn't know that. It's about to tell your boss that. Um, <laughs> That's I really. So I was late. I I just really like the feel of it. Like it is. I love the Isley Brothers um, sample, the way he uses it, and the message, and like a rapper, a Compton rapper talking about self love.
0: Yeah, I think and that's all crazy. All the shit that's
1: going on around him, it's a, it's fun and catchy, and I feel like a lot of the conversation on Twitter was, if this is the, the perfect first single, and you know, I mentioned how swimming pools wasn't was the first single but it wasn't in the storyline of the album. Like it made the deluxe version or bonus track of the album. So maybe this will be the case for the song. And maybe it doesn't, it doesn't give you a hint of the meat of the album, but who knows? Still, I, I think I'm, it's very enjoyable.
0: I, I mean, I love Kendrick and just like anybody else. Um, do I I text? Actually, I texted you when I first heard it and mm-hmm. I was like, um, I'm honored. I, I think, well, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, this is not what I expected from a Kendrick right. record. I think everybody can agree with that. Yes. Um, I think the first thing that struck, that stuck out to me was that it was so musically bright. Like, yes. I think there were very few records on like Section 80 or um, the debut. Good oh, um, Kid, Mad City. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that actually had a really bright sound or had a really optimistic message, right. like, the only one that comes to mind from Good Kid, Mad City was Now or Never, which was the bonus track yeah. around the deluxe version with Mary J. Blige, which was actually nominated for a Grammy. I
1: guess, well, I guess for for Good Kid, Mad City, we, poetic justice would be no that like... too. I
0: mean, you, I would call that more of like a, like a love record, right. like a romance record. Yeah, I'm um, just
1: thinking about like upbeat or.
0: Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, the first thing that came to mind when I heard this, and I said this to you too, is that it reminded me so much of the Forrest Gump soundtrack, and like that's a, a double album that I grew up listening to because my parents like used to play it all the time. But that's a bunch your of like 60s. Are eh, you know, they, they raised me well. Um, <laughs> it was a bunch of 60s and 70s records that were protest records, and that's what this felt like. I felt like Kendrick is protesting against you know beef protesting against, like, hatred against all the shit in the world that kind of makes people go to war or, you know, fight with each other or whatever. He's just saying, like, love yourself, love others, and things will be okay. Right. I think that's an extremely brave move for any rapper to do against any musical background, be it, like, a happy beat or, like, a sad beat or, like, a menacing beat. There Um, are not many records that are telling you to love yourself.
1: I got a lot of – I felt like – it also reminded me a lot of early Outkast.
0: That too. Just yeah. for like,
1: you know, when they definitely had a message, they didn't pr- deliver it the way other rappers at the time were delivering it.
0: Right. I mean, take, I think a really good example of that, too, is like you can look at Rosa Parks, which exactly. is such a fun song that has yeah. such a serious message.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. Yeah. But it does have like that fun feel, like CeeLo's you um, song. Right. And
0: Happy, you know, serious songs are like really aggressive songs that are delivered in such a happy way
1: right well I think I've talked your your ear off I think I've talked your (laughs) ear off
0: (laughs) I definitely have been talking a lot
1: Uh, but we've both been talking a lot so any final words
0: I don't know I'm excited for Brandy's next album
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean
0: 2.11 was I thought an awesome album and you know I've heard she's cooking something up soon yes so i'm just that's on my release calendar right now
1: yeah i agree yeah but thank you
0: cool Thanks. hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget